What's up? I'm Markley Morrison, and this is the 45th episode and fifth season premiere of Low Profile. I couldn't be more excited for this season because the show is not only picking up where it left off, but also branching out into new territory with exciting and diverse guests lined up through the spring of 2022. My friend Madison Nadine is also going to be on board for a bunch of these episodes, and you'll be meeting her in a couple of weeks. There's some other surprise collaborations ahead as well, and some dream guests I never thought I could have landed. Today, to kick things off, my guest is a 2012 Grammy-nominated Zydeco musician unlike any other. intro track to his album Standing on Faith. His name is Corey Lede, or Ledet, if you don't speak French. Well, they're both correct. If, uh, Lede is the French term, Ledet uh-huh. is the English term. I mean, around here in Louisiana, they'll say Lede. Potato, potato. Corey blends Zydeco traditions with the other music forms that have surrounded his life. Jazz, funk, rock, R&B, country, anything his ears could get a hold of, it's in there but still his deep Zydeco roots are always present. As of this recording, his latest album is simply called Corey Lede Zydeco, his 14th record to date, which was released on CD and cassette tape in 2021 on Nouveau Electric Records. On this album, he delivers songs in both English and his family's regional dialect, Kurivini. like this show, please tell your fellow music history nerds about it. Leave a review, smash the subscribe button, follow us on social media at Low Pro Podcast, and find more content related to this and all previous episodes at lowprofilepodcast.com. If you want to help pay the bills, and a big thank you to those that do, you can join other financial backers at patreon.com slash lowprofile. Low Profile receives in-kind support from these Olympia, Washington independent businesses. San Francisco Street Bakery, Schwartz's Deli, Old School Pizzeria, Rainy Day Records, and Schurler Premium Shitty American Lager from Three Magnets Brewing. Thanks to all of you for keeping this show going. Today's featured guest and I discuss his musical family, travels around the world, being an 80s baby, and his veritable library of accordions. I spoke to Corey Lede hundreds of miles away in his hometown, Parks, Louisiana. That's where my dad is from. 
Right so, on. So, uh, yeah, he's from Parks. And then, like, a lot of people in Louisiana, they a lot of people left. A lot of Cajun and Creole people left, you know, for work because they didn't have, you know, much work at that time. So that's why there's a lot of Cajun and Creoles in Texas and Houston, the Houston area, and also the Bay Area in California. And I think there's a... There's some in New York and some in Chicago. They all left, you know, for work. Wow. My dad went to Houston, coming back and forth, you know, growing up, just fell in love with it. And then after I graduated high school, I said uh, I was I was just going to move. And I did it and been there ever since. (laughs) Wow. Is it is it far off from like Lafayette? It's not too far. It's kind of tucked away Uh in between uh, Brobridge and St. Martinville in the middle of sugarcane world. And and that music got out there to parks. Yeah, yeah. Um, from what I've been discovering, music has been in parks since the late uh, 1800s, probably before, but for sure the late 1800s, because um, my great-grandfather was a upright bass player, and he played bass with uh, Bunk Johnson, you know, um, one of the jazz forefathers. Wow. And uh, just found that out. And um, really, uh, in the parks area, jazz was um, the music, you know, for, of, of the people, you know, because uh, Zydeco wouldn't even invent it. And that's that's the music that everyone played. It was it was jazz, you know, from the parks area all the way to Brobridge to Lafayette. And of course, going towards New Orleans, it was jazz. of the century of the 1900s that was the style of music everybody played and a lot of people um read read you know they could read the music and a lot of people just improvised and what i found out about bunk johnson was that he could read but he left new orleans and came to new iberia which is not far from parks either and he did that because in new orleans all the music is is sheet music and you have to play it just like it's written mm. when we come out here to the countryside it was more improv and that's what he preferred and that's how it started growing from there oh wow so there's there's a lot of rich history uh in music in your family and oh yeah it, it goes really really deep <laughs> <laughs> maybe even further than you know i i wouldn't be surprised yeah you know just finding that out you know about my great grandfather that's that's a mind blower right there you know the fact that they they helped to you know create jazz basically um and then they would play they play ragtime music they play swing music um bebop all that stuff and this is all pre-zydeco era you know kind of fits in it's all like part of a larger puzzle maybe yeah exactly and then my grandfather when he came along 
it was more of the the big band, the swing music, you know, kind of like Big Joe Turner stuff and blues stuff and, and everything like that. My grandfather's Buchanan in the day. And so he was like a jazz, of course, drummer. And and uh, his his brother, I guess that'd be my great uncle, uh, Limon, the day he would throw like a 4th of July party in Parks and the whole town of Parks, Brobridge and State Martinville, they would all come and they would actually second line going over the Bayou Fish. Like, so they, they'd have trumpets and horns and drums and this and that. And, uh, and my grandfather was, was on the snare drum. And then my dad and my uncles played drums, so they was on drum. So it's a big, big party. Yeah, man. This sounds great. I did some research and found out your Aunt Rosie, she's been doing pretty cool things in the world, like Zydeco, Soul Fusion. And you played well, Ro- with her earlier on, yeah? Well, Rosie is actually a, a cousin. Oh, your cousin. Okay. She's actually a cousin. And the funny thing is, um, I, I did play a few times with her, but there's actually two Corey Ledettes. So uh, our other cousin played more regular with her than I did. Corey, um, I, if I could get you to hold that thought. Ironically, while I'm talking to you, my two daughters are just outside the door banging on drums and playing horns. Oh, let's <laughs> <laughs> see if they can take that somewhere else, okay? All right. Give me just a sec. All right. You got kids, man? No, I think I'm going to hold off a little while. <laughs> okay, yeah. I think we're about the same age. Yeah, uh, 39? Yeah, same here. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to hold off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you still got some years left if you want yeah. to. <laughs> okay, so wait, so tell me, who's this other Corey Ledette? The, the, it's another uh, distant cousin. Um, they were more like in the Iota area. It's still the same family, but it's more distant. Okay. And then my my dad, these these Ledets were from you know the parks area. So we saying that Leday or Ledet? I heard um, it both ways. Well, they're, they're both correct. If uh, Leday is the French term, Ledet uh-huh. is the English term. So okay. Sometimes it might come out you know Ledet, and sometimes it might come out Leday. I mean, around here in Louisiana, they'll say Leday. Uh huh. That's what I figured it was, and then I, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I don't, I know, don't know the regional dialect or something. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like potato, potato. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, man. So speaking of, uh, you know, regional dialect, you know, your latest record, which 
you just did a release party for your new record, right? Yeah, we did that uh, this past Saturday. Um, I think it was the 24th, April 24th. And we did it at the uh, the Blue Moon Saloon in Lafayette. And it was a great turnout and really successful. It's got to feel good to play for a crowd again, huh? Man, let me tell you, uh, that day, I actually had two shows. I had one show in Baton Rouge right before the album release. And then I had to finish there and drive all the way to Lafayette and do the album release. And let me tell you, my voice is still hoarse right now. Ooh. <laughs> because I haven't I haven't done that in a year and three months. Man. So I am my, my everything about me about music is out of shape right now. I think I might have seen video of the uh, Baton Rouge. Was that when you were playing solo, one man band style? Yeah, I have been doing some one man band shows, and it's not it's not the, uh, the same as like uh, my regular shows because the one man band, you know, I don't play as long. Mm -hmm. or as hard and then you know there, there's also like a little short intermission where i can kind of get up and stretch my legs and this and that to whereas um before the pandemic hit and we was actually playing gigs you know we play at least two three hours straight and if we had two gigs we'd finish there and i'd tell it to another one and do it again and do it again and we just were conditioned to do it yeah but now it's like we gotta we gotta go back to boot camp <laughs> yeah get back in shape <laughs> and, and, and you know it's funny too because the dancers Saturday, um, they would come up to me. They're like, "Man, I don't know how y'all feel as musicians, but us as dancers, we haven't danced in a year and something. Man, our kicks and our thighs are killing us. <laughs> like, oh, trust yeah. me, my, my back and my vocal cords is messed up right now. Yeah, man, they got that Netflix body. <laughs> yeah, and we all got a Netflix body right now. <laughs> Um, but so I was going to say on that album, you're uh, sort of bringing back this uh, sort of Creole language called, I want to make sure I'm saying this right, Curivini? Curivini. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit more about that? You got four songs uh, in that language on this new album. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's his own dialect. Um, it's it's the Creole language. It's the, the language of, of the Creole people, um, especially in the region where my dad is from, uh, which is Parks and around the St. Martin Parish uh, community. That's that's the way they, they would speak. It has a lot of different influences. It has French influence. It has some Spanish influence, and it even has some Native American influence and, and Haitian influence. Oh, wow. And it's, yeah, it's all bundled up in there. And uh, that's the language that uh, I grew up listening, you know, when my dad would talk or my aunts and my cousins and everything. And um, my dad actually was teaching me when I was younger, but I think I overheard something I wasn't supposed to hear at that time. Uh-huh. <laughs> So he kind of shut it down for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, 
And also, you know, I, I fall into that that gap where the uh, that generation didn't pick it up because the parents didn't want because when they wanted to talk about different stuff, they didn't want us to know what they were saying. Yeah, so, right. It's yeah. Uh... We, so I fell into that that generation, and that that kind of helped, you know, kill off the language. You know, we see that now. Yeah, I kind of wish me and my wife had knowledge of another language together, but um, uh, the best we can do is spell, and that only works for so long. Yeah. So I but, I don't blame your old man, but I'm I'm glad that you're picking it up now because I, I think just preserving yeah. that part of the culture, um, at, you know, for a wider audience too. Now that's like that's that's not a small thing. No, no, and it's it's rare. It, I mean, I'm really proud of of that language. I mean, it's it's a beautiful language. If you can hear someone that is really fluent and can flow through it like like nothing, I mean, you should hear it. It is is it's almost uh, rhythmic. You know, the way they the way it's, it's it, the way they speak it. And uh, what I've learned is that, um, like in French, there's there's phrases where you you flip the words. It's like, um, and I don't, I still don't even understand it. But it's like the the verb or an adjective or something like that. You have to switch it, you know what I'm saying, to mm-hmm. make it to make it work in French. So whereas in Kudivini, it's uh, you speak the Kudivini in the the English form. Like you don't have to flip words. Oh, you don't have to rearrange the sentence, just the right. words. Yeah, switch so them out. That's that's easy. That's pretty easy for me. <laughs> Are you conversational in that? I'm getting there. Yeah. I can understand more than I can reply back. Uh-huh. Uh, it's better than having it the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, de- I'm definitely working on uh, getting more fluent. And matter of fact, the next album, which we're probably going to start working on that in the next uh, few months, This next, the next one after this one is going to be all Kudivini. Like, I'm really going to challenge myself and bring the language to the front line oh yeah that's great yeah i i love how every every time you put out a record it seems like you're always trying to bring in new things you're, you're always trying something different that's the idea you know you don't want to just put you know same old thing out over and over again you want to uh you want to kick it up into another gear <laughs> well that album standing on faith man that one threw me for a loop oh yeah <laughs> yeah it came on hard with that like funk like electro funk beat
that song on that album, uh, Love Never Felt So Good, that's like a straight up funk odyssey, right? Oh yeah, yes but, indeed. <laughs> but you still got the Zydeco staples in there, like accordion way up front, the rub boards way in there. You always hear the scratch board happening. Um, yeah, I can't. I, no matter what I do, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stray too far away from my Zydeco elements. I mean, that's just that's just deep into my bone marrow. <laughs> so how come Zydeco, Corey? Well, Zydeco for me, um, it's. It's what keeps me alive, and is is that is that important to me? I mean, I love all music. I'm, I'm a musician, so I, I enjoy all music. It's it's hard to find a genre of music that I'm not gonna like because I like it all. But mm-hmm. no matter what I listen to, what I uh, you know experiment with, I always come back home to Zydeco. And Zydeco is more than a noun; it's a verb too. Zydeco is like the thing you go to. That's the event. Yeah, yeah, they'll say going to the Zydeco, you know. And then you you get to the Zydeco, you listen to the Zydeco, and you Zydeco to it. That's it. You yeah. got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all inclusive. That's it. It's all in one. It's you like a it's, it's a regional, like, Smurf kind of word. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it takes care of everything. <laughs> Can we talk about your, your washboard player? Yeah, uh, uh, Gerard. Gerard De La Fosse? Yeah, sure. Man, uh, I've seen some videos of you guys, and he is a, he is a presence. Well, uh, Gerard actually, he played washboard on the album. But the, when I go play live, it's my cousin. His name is Greg Poche. He does the live shows. And the reason why we did, did it that way is because he has a regular job. So... It's kind of hard for him to get into the studio like during the week when it's open. Mm-hmm. So that's why we put Gerard on rubboard. Gerard by day and then your cousin by night. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so did you ever see like uh, some of the Zydeco heroes of yours when you were growing up? Like I know when we were kids, it was what like Buzu Chavez and Bo Jacques were kind of the hot oh, yeah. thing. Man, let me tell you, uh, I didn't get a chance to see Clifton Chenier live, even though my grandfather was his very first drummer. Like, um, but I didn't get a chance. I didn't see that. My dad saw it. That wasn't, you know, his time when he was a little boy. Uh-huh. But um, when I was growing up in Houston, yeah, when Boozoo would come to town, I mean, he would shut the town down. I mean, everybody was coming. And when Bojack would come, I mean, it was it was crazy, and then Keith Frank came in, and man, all these guys like that, and also John Delafonse, he come into town. It was it was something something else. Roy Carrier, um, and then of course all the the Houston-based bands, which I played drums for one of them, which was Wilbur Thibodeau and the Zydeco Rascals. Yeah, what was that all about? How how did that well, happen? My, well, my dad took me to there's this restaurant in Houston, and there was another older gentleman. That I uh, that played there, and I remember him well. I sat in with him. His name was L.C. Donata, and he was playing that day. So my dad asked L.C. Donata if I could sit in on drums. I was starting to learn drums, and he said, "Sure, no problem." So I got up there, I played a couple songs, and did pretty good. And in the audience was Mr. Ruby Thibodeau. So when I finished, he comes up to me and my dad and said, "Hey, look, I'm looking for a new drummer, and I I like how you how you played." You want to you want to play some gigs with me? And 
I was like, sure. And my dad was like, sure, I'll, I'll have to bring him because he don't have no license. You know, he's 12 years old. He's like, yeah, no problem. And it started from there. And that's where I learned a lot on the bandstand just by playing behind him. And I stayed with him from like 12 to like 16, 17. Nice. So that that was pretty cool. Yeah, getting right in there. I couldn't yeah. find anything except like a picture of a flyer on that group, but I'm guessing it was mostly a party band, yeah. Well, uh, it was um, well back in those days they didn't really. I guess you, I guess you could say they really didn't document a lot of stuff. I mean, it was just you know book a gig, go play. And yeah. That was it. I mean, you know, it was, that's kind of how it was in those days. Sure, sure. You know, they didn't really. And I, I actually, I wish that I I'd have more video of that because it would, you know, that's good memories for me. But I, I'll always remember that, you know. Is that before you picked up the accordion? That was actually during because I was, you know, uh, I started watching him play a, the accordion as I'm playing the drums, and then one day after a gig, he he saw me staring at it, so he says, "Come here, let me show you something." So he showed me that, and that's kind of where the the love for the accordion started and then we came to parks for something i can't remember what what it was for <clears throat> and um on the way back to houston we stopped at this boudin shop and they were selling toy accordions and my dad bought it for me you know it was supposed to be for a toy mm -hmm. and then you know i started picking up songs and then next thing you know my dad buys me a real accordion and that's when it starts to really get serious <laughs> yeah and you play every kind of accordion pretty much out there uh, pretty much. Um, the uh, the ones I prefer the most are the melo. It's called. It's really called the melodian. A lot of people call it the Cajun accordion, but it's really like it's it's uh, called the melodian. Like the single note accordion is diatonic. It's basically kind of like a big harmonica. Okay, um, so no buttons you know, on one, that one, or well, it, it's buttons, but it uh, the reeds are like a harmonica, like uh, um, just one at a time. If we yeah, and exhaling is one note, and in, inhaling would be another. So on the on the accordion, pushing would uh, on one button would be one note, and pulling on the same button would be another note. It started growing from there. I figured that was what that instrument was, but when I read about you playing single note accordion, I'm like, oh, so just like a drone box? <laughs> just no. <laughs> what no, kind of song I, are you gonna play? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> so I, yeah. So. Got that, and then got the three row, which basically is like three of the single notes in one. And uh, started with that, and then <clears throat> well, I actually started on the piano first, which I didn't like. And then after doing the single note, triple note, then I went back to the piano note. Now the piano note is my favorite. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, that's probably where I would start. Could at least play Mary Had a Little Lamb or something like that. Exactly, and you know that was one of my first songs. Was it? I was going to ask what you first started playing, like music. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's what Mr. Thibodeau said. He said, "Start with a melody you already know." Uh huh. And then build from there. And now you just crank them out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you got nominated for a Grammy back in 2012. Yeah. That was for uh, Nothing But The Best, yeah? Yeah, that was the one. On the first song on that album, I'm the Zydeco Man, you talk about how you've been everywhere. 
Yeah, that, that's actually, uh, it's a cover song. It's a Clifton Chenier song. And um, I played it because in, in, in there it says, one of the lines that Clifton says, uh, he says, I've been to Moscow. I've been to Paris, you know. And so I decided to remake it because I myself has, have, has also been to Mo Moscow and Paris. So I'm like, well, I've been there too, so let me make a version of it. <laughs> no kidding, on tour? Yeah. Um, is there any place you've been outside the States uh, that you felt like you could get a second home there? Or like any, any place that you connected with, especially? Oh, wow, a lot of places. Um, uh, Mo Moscow, for sure, is one of them. Paris is another one. Um, England is another one. Um, and th th I mean, this is a part of America, but it's definitely out out there, which is a uh, Hawaii. Oh yeah, sure. Yep. Definitely Hawaii. Definitely Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, give me one there too. Sounds yeah. good. Man, I mean, that's th these are beautiful places, and I never thought that, you know, music, and 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 this culture and and the accordion would take me around the world playing playing this music you know never i never thought that man yeah did did you wind up going to the grammy ceremony or yeah that that was so crazy let me tell you about that so um how that happened was so we finished the album and we submitted it and there's two rounds right so there's uh and that's how they narrow things down is two rounds so the very first round that that came around i it was so much stuff going on at that time gig wise and stuff like that i completely completely forgot to vote for myself oh man yeah like it just slipped my mind completely and then when the nominees came out it was on tv here and my next thing i know my phone starts blowing up congratulations congratulations i'm like for what and then <laughs> somebody says Turn on the TV. Turn on the TV. So I turn it on, and there it is, biggest day. I'm like, whoa, man. So that was that. That was so crazy. Yeah, you bump you bump shoulders with anybody at that party, or um, uh, almost bumped shoulders with Taylor Swift. She passed right right on the side of me. She she's she seems hyper, but I guess I guess that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you seem um, like a pretty laid back dude. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm I was trying to keep my composure there. Uh-huh. Uh John Legend passed right by us. Um the after party was was crazy. I mean everybody just hanging out like regular regular people and you know, um you don't want to just go up to them and be like, "Oh my god." You know, and like creep them out and stuff. So you got to play it cool and this and that. But yeah, that was an amazing experience and Hope to experience it again. Yeah, man. I hope so, too. Well, it seems like you're doing big things. I can't wait to hear that next album you're talking about. Oh, man. I, I can't wait to start working on it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so I heard some, some other cool stuff you did um, on the Destiny album, right? Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Corey's Breakdown, you throw in a little bit of Sly and the Family Stone there. Yeah, I don't remember what I did, but I, I'm always throwing some stuff in. I'm not surprised I did, I did, did that. 
And I want to talk about the, there's like a couple tracks on there that are uh, labeled as remixes, like the, the Budin Man remix. Yeah, yeah. Is that like, did you record it and someone else, or it's like a live remix? Um, it's a, I, I did it in a different way. The first time I did it, it was, I think it was a little slower. And actually, um, uh, th- there's a band in Houston that I grew up with, another Houston-based band that I grew up watching. Their name is the Zydeco Dots. And they're the actual writers of that song. A guy named Joe uh, Rachion wrote that song. But they played it real slow it was like a like almost like a, a shuffle kind of beat mm-hmm. so I, I i sped it up a little bit the first time i recorded it and then the second time I, I went a little faster and then put in a little uh talk box yeah like that... how, yeah like how bojack used to do but that's like an old like roger zap kind of thing so i just yeah. kind of put that in there big talk box fan here so oh yeah 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 <laughs> That was that was a happy moment for me, and I I really enjoyed the uh, the eye of the tiger reference you threw in on your accordion there. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I like all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great stuff. Have you, have, have you heard my my version of uh, Guns and Roses, Sweet Child of Mine? No, but we're gonna hear it on this show. Okay. <laughs> different songs that I want that I want to play and I never did it because I was just like man I don't know if, if people are gonna like it if they're gonna dig it but um recently I'm like you know what I just want to do it so I'm gonna do it and that's one of them that's one of the songs I, I always wanted to do that one I also have a version of uh Charday's uh Sweetest Taboo on accordion oh that's, man you're that's killing me here <laughs> I did not know you went into Sade territory though. That's very oh, yeah. near and dear to my heart. Oh yeah, it's all on YouTube. <laughs>
All right, all right. Well, y'all heard it here. <laughs> yeah, the, now the so Accordion Dragon that came out before the Coriolide Zydeco self-titled mm-hmm. release. That that one, um, I thought I was getting ready for like a, a concept record with the uh, oh, yeah. that dramatic intro. Yeah, um, so how that one came about, um, how, how I make my, my records, um, I do my records, it, it just depends where, it depends where my, my head is at the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And what my head was for Accordion Dragon was, I was just getting back into studying martial arts, which I've always been a fan of Asian culture. Um, growing up in Houston, they, they would always have the, uh, you know, the karate movies. Mm-hmm. It would come on TV and it would come on on Sundays in Houston. So me and my brother would always watch that. And he started taking karate lessons. And I, I started taking some later on, but I would I was never serious about it. But um, at that time when I was making that record, for some reason, I just got real serious about it. And I started training again. And just the philosophy of uh, martial arts. I'm like, wow, you can just apply this to life. And that's what I learned. You know, martial arts is not just fighting skills. Matter of fact, it's that's the last thing that it is. Martial arts is about self-discovery and self-discipline, and you apply that to life. The last thing is the the, the art of combat. That's the last thing you worry about. So yeah. I applied I applied that to my life and, and my music, and then that's why I came up with the idea of accordion dragon because in the Asian culture, the dragon is uh considered good luck and only certain people are blessed to be um you know a uh, good luck like that or or it's also it could mean somebody that has mastered their art someone that has discovered themselves developed themselves and disciplined themselves enough to where they're a better version of themselves than you're a dragon like bruce lee well put so i figured you know I feel like I'm pretty good at accordion, so why not be the accordion dragon? That's a great title. Do they still do like the the king and uh, did they still do the king of Zydeco? Or is that gone by the wayside? No, um, I think the last official king of Zydeco that they had was Buzu Chavez, and um, for some reason, I, I mean, I don't know how it works. Um, I know when Clifton had the crown, they say Clifton. Uh, chose Rock and Doopsy to be, you know, like his prince. You know, if something was to happen to him, you know, it would go down to him. And then when that happened, Rock and Doopsy was the king of Zydeco, and then Rock and Doopsy appointed Buzu Chavez as prince. Where if something happened to him, it would move down to Buzu. So then that happened. But when Buzu did it, I, I don't know if Buzu had appointed anybody as prince. So it kind of stopped there. Hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, like official king, you know, of Zydeco. It kind of it kind of stopped after Buzu died, and no one has come up to you know crown. Well, you really can't crown yourself. I don't think. I mean, I don't. I don't even know how that would work. But yeah, I think. I don't know. Yeah, it seems like the sort of thing that has to be bestowed on you. And I know Buzu said that he wasn't into all that anyway. Like, yeah, he, he accepted the crown, yeah. but he was like, man, I don't. I don't see why we got to be competing. Yeah, yeah. That's that might be the reason why he did it like that. But, yeah. yeah. But now we have a dragon of Zydeco, so Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's good enough. That's even better, man. 
Uh, I, love, I love that line. Bruce Lee says, "Dragon whips his tail." <laughs> <laughs> wow, but yeah, no that that album though um, was that was a follow up to Standing on Faith, right? Yeah, and where my mind was on Standing on Faith was uh, like things were going. It seems things seemed like it was going in the wrong direction, and it was basically I was basically telling myself, you know. No matter what happens, you know, we, we got to stand on faith and we got to believe everything's going to be all right. You know, we didn't came this far. Can't stop now. You know, and a lot of people could relate to that because I'm sure a lot of people uh, go through things, you know, in their lives. And they probably get to the point where they're like, well, what's the point? And, you know, you just got to tell yourself and tell others, you know, stand on faith and just keep it. Keep the faith going and believe, you know, and things will get better. Yeah, and people want to hear that things are going to get better, especially these days. So, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, that's that stuff has some legs. Oh yes, indeed. Accordion Dragon, though, you you uh, kind of went in a whole different sonic direction. Like, I think that's the first time I heard you having like a consistent horn section. incorporate that and actually this next one i'm gonna incorporate a horn section because um learning about my family and jazz music oh my god i've got to have a horn section now <laughs> so we're gonna hear a little more jazz next time around oh yeah we gotta have more jazz we gotta have some ragtime rhythms we gotta have all that <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get with Corey day <laughs> yeah that's that's good you're you're consistent yeah full of surprises man Oh yeah, and and that's that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with the piano accordion, because it the it's is really just a piano, so all the keys are there, and you can play any kind of music in the world on that one box. So whereas on the small accordion, it's extremely limited. You can only go so far, and then that's it. So what do you think is the farthest outside the like Creole culture? Um, audience-wise that you've shared the music with. It's a cultural staple. It's like got a rich history and it yeah. seems like so contained still. Yeah, we, um, we see um, Clif in Clifton's day, I mean, Clifton was taking Zydeco all over the world like back in the, around the 60s. Right, You know, right. when he started traveling. Um, but of course, the world was a different world back then. Um, but Zydeco has definitely been getting getting out for a long time. Um, I think a lot of people just like to experience Zydeco in its home state, you know. And I guess that's that's cool too. But um, 
but I think the, the furthest that I've been doing it um, probably has been when I went to Russia. Yeah, what was and, what was the? Uh, did, did you guys have support there? Or did you play by yourselves? Oh my God! When we got there, well, first I didn't want to go at first because I was chicken. Uh huh. And then I called them back just in the nick of time, and I said, "No, I'll go." And then so we got everything together. We went, and let me tell you, it was nothing, absolutely nothing, uh, what I thought it was going to be. They picked us up in this big tour bus decked out brand new they gave us each um a security guard so nobody wouldn't bother us they put us up in this five-star hotel they fed us so much to where we couldn't even eat anymore i mean they treated us like absolute royalty yeah they wouldn't they wouldn't even let us carry our bags or our instruments they had a whole crew to pack it for us that's some hospitality it's, there it's crazy did you have it's some so good crazy. borscht over there? Uh, what was that? As like that beet soup they make. Uh, they might have had that. I might have ate it. Didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever we ate, it was good. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I don't even know what it was, but it was good. <laughs> and the, the experience was so good to where, when we finished our set, it was a dance festival, and when we finished our set. The people literally did not want us to stop playing. So the next day, they got us up early and they brought us to this this TV TV station over there. Well, where they brought us, it was like the Good Morning America for them over there. And we was on uh, the, the program, and the whole country of Russia saw us. We were viewed by over a million people. Mm. And we had a you know a translator to, to translate everything. And then that night. They hustled, um, they hustled us a gig, and it was supposed to be like a little jam section. It, uh, it was um, in this underground, liter literally underground club. You have to go down these steps in the ground. So we get down there, and they show us to the room where it's supposed to be a, ja uh, a jam session, and then the room just opens up, and there's a big old stage, uh, uh, top-of-the-line drums, top-of-the-line uh, amplifiers, top of the line, PA, and I mean the works. And then so we started playing, and then it the place got flooded in like two minutes, and it was so many people in there, the walls were sweating. Man, and we were, we were supposed to only play for like an hour or two. We played so doggone long that, that our tour guide had to come stop us and said. No, you have to stop now. You have to board the plane in three hours. Like, we played all night. Oh, man. We literally had to stop playing, rush back to the, the, the hotel, pack, and go straight to the airport. <laughs> wow. But it was nothing like what I thought. So I can't say, you know, it was a bad trip. That was one of the best trips I ever had. Yeah, back when people still knew how to dance all night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you.
it just feels good to um, to share that to share music with with anybody who's ready to feel it. Absolutely, yeah. I think the world needs that. We we need that. I mean, believe it or not, I mean, people might think of a festival just as a you know a gathering or whatever, and I guess it is to a point, but. It's something that everybody needs. It's something that everybody needs, you know, looks forward to. Um, a lot of people probably plan their family reunion, family reunions around festivals. I mean, it's something that we as human beings we need. Indeed. Well, man, um, I gotta say you're a really good storyteller, Corey. This has been really fun. <laughs> I have one optional question and one more uh, question about your music, but I, I like to ask my guests. How they like their burger? If I was gonna, oh, wow. if I was gonna pick you up a burger or make you one, what's it gonna look like? Uh, well done for sure. Mm-hmm. I feel it. <laughs> uh, and I'll take, I'll take everything on it. <laughs> right on. All right, it's gonna be a tall one. That'll work. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And I wanted to go out on the song "Street Light." Cool. That song is just it's fire, man. It's a jammer. Oh, it's a thank what, you, what do the kids say? It's a bop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's the first time I've ever said that, but that song is a bop for sure. Yo, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Um you want to talk about that song for a second before we let everyone hear it and play out? <clears throat> yeah, that one um that one uh definitely has eighties influence. Um if you listen to the guitar solo, I think it's at the very end. It's um, it's influenced by uh, Prince and and the way he would solo. The guy that uh, that was in the band at the time, he was a a, a big Prince fan, you know, just like me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we we we're like, you know, let's let's see, if we can create something. You know, we didn't want it to, we didn't want to make it exactly like Prince. Because, of course, at the time, Prince was still alive, and we knew how Prince felt about, you know, his style. He didn't want nobody, you know, to record his stuff. So it was um, it was challenging to, to make it sound like Prince, but not like Prince. You know what I mean? Well, that's why you got Gerard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, so that that's kind, that's kind of was the idea like that. I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, growing up in the 80s, I mean, th- those those are some uh, good good years of, of music, you know, between Prince and Morris Day and just, oh man, the list goes on. Michael Jackson, Journey, Cindy Lauper, uh, I mean, you name it, the list goes on. Uh, and I like to incorporate that with everything that I do. Nothing one for me I'd rather live alone Than to live in 
Corey Liday, thank you so much for coming on to Low Profile and sharing some stories with us. It's been really fun. Yeah. I hope to see you in the Pacific Northwest someday if I don't get out to Louisiana sometime soon. Yeah, yeah. For this episode and portraits for forthcoming episodes this season painted by nathan gibson you can find his work at portable disco with a k on instagram catch you in a couple weeks